certainly some exciting things happening in the MLB playoffs, and we will follow those and continue to report them as they go on. I mean, by Friday, we're going to have our divisional series, so it will be exciting to see how much of what we said was complete bullshit. So that's always fun to figure yeah, out. Truly. That's always fun to figure out. Let's move on to some soccer. We had some soccer news. I'm going to be real brief about this, just let you know what's happened since Monday. In the Premier League, Aston Villa winning 3-0 against Fulham. They've got two wins out of two. They're in fourth place right now. I know it's not a lot, but still, Jack Grealish scoring. They're looking better than last year, so that's good. But yeah, Rotina is in the relegation battle. I think that's, you know, every it's point good. matters. Yeah. yeah, six points. Did they have six points last year? No. But, yeah, I mean, they looking, they're looking good, and I'm happy for them. I hope Aston Villa, like a traditional team, you know, keeps doing really well. Uh, in the match so far that we have to talk about, Liverpool winning 3-1 against Arsenal. Champions well-informed. They really are. They've played two big rivals, beat both of them pretty convincingly. Goals by Sadio Mane and Robertson. And new boy Jota, Diego Jota, getting a goal, you know, late on. Mm. Or even gets his name on the score sheet. You know, Arsenal's in fifth. They're still fine. Liverpool tied on points with Leicester behind on goal difference. Is that going to be the battle that we see? And if it is, can Leicester keep up with Liverpool? Yikes, it's dangerous for everyone to see Liverpool doing this well already. But that's all we have to say out of the Premier League. But let's go to another English affair in terms of cup. We got the Carabao Cup in round four, and we had some interesting results. Manchester City beating Burnley 3-0. We talked about a little earlier, Matt's Manchester United beating Brighton 3-0. Matt, what do you have to say about the game? Oh, it's a nice win. I mean, you know, Carabao Cup is kind of whatever. Uh, certainly not, you know, the the trophy that you're <laughs> looking to get. But always oh, nice to see, you know, you get to see some of the other guys in the rotation. Got to see McTominay, who scored. Diego Dallo, uh, who, who played pretty well on the side there. Got to see Luke Shaw get back in there. Bayes playing better. better. Um Rondon Beek getting the start and playing well. Paul had a nice little free kick, but, you know, it, it's a care about cup, so it's kind of who cares. <laughs> uh, a good a good assessment from Matthew, if, if anything. It's a good assessment. No, but, yeah, Manchester United, uh, Manchester United getting the win despite having a closer game against Brighton, obviously, in the Premier League. So I think it was a good win for them. Uh, Everton beating West Ham 4-1, continuing their hot streak into the Carabao Cup. And finally, the game of the fourth round, Tottenham playing Chelsea and beating them 5-4 on a final penalty miss from Mason Mount. Hit the outside Mount. of the ball spar. You know, the only penalty to miss. That, that, that's very hard. And Eric Lamella canceling out Timo Werner's opener in first goal for Chelsea. Uh, Eric Lamella yeah. scored in the 83rd. It was a good goal for Timo Werner as well. Timo so, Werner just needed to get in the Carabao Cup and he started making an impact. I would yeah. I did forget to say I kind of I I almost thought and maybe even kind of hoped that like the soccer gods would just be like Brighton you deserve this win because like <laughs> that's such a tough loss over the weekend but yeah alas. it was uh, alas that's not how the football world works sometimes you lose and you lose and you lose and that's just all that happens but yeah Carabao Cup Going into the later rounds, it's going to get more exciting from here with all of the big teams progressing. Obviously, Chelsea will not progress, and the question remains what they can do to save their season after even already being eliminated from the Carabao Cup. In La Liga and Serie A, we had some action. In La Liga, Getafe 
thrashing Real Betis 3-0. Obviously, Betis on top early, so they are looking to, they are kind of falling down the ladder pretty fast. Valencia surviving Real Sociedad with a 1-0 win. Getafe and Valencia are first and second respectively now after four games, but they're only tied on seven points, so that really doesn't mean much. Villarreal winning 3-1 at Alaves. Uh, Real Madrid had a game. I'm going to see where they finished live right now because they were playing still when I wrote these notes. They won 1-0 against Real Valladolid thanks to a Vinicius Jr. goal. So they get a win on the season, which is good for them. And finally, Atletico Madrid tying goalless with Huesca of all teams after after teasing us with such potential in that first game. They fall behind and tie 0-0 with Huesca, which is not something that they should be doing. So it'll be interesting to see where La Liga goes, whether Atletico Madrid can go as far as we predicted they will. In the Serie A, Inter Milan thrashing Benevento 5-2. Brace from former Manchester United striker Romelu Lukaku. Atalanta playing Lazio in kind of the game so far of the week. Kind of big game here. And Atalanta thrashed Lazio 4-2-1. Braced by Papu Gomez. They are looking like they're picking up where they left off last year, which is good to see. Matt, Napoli, Atalanta, Inter Milan, and AC Milan all tied on two wins in two above Juventus. Now, that is a scary sight for Juventus. It's only two games. Fine. But you have all yeah, those. I don't think they're that worried yet. <laughs> they're not that worried you win, yet. You win nine titles in a row. I don't think after two games you start press, pressing the uh, the panic button. Right. I'm not worried that there's a team above them. I'm more worried that all four of the people they're worried about are all above them. That is what I'm worried about. That all four of them have started off strong. You know, you do kind of start to get, okay, you know, we have to pick it up here a little bit. But that was already the case when not winning against Roma and – yeah, it'll be an interesting battle if it can keep up this way, if these teams can kind of win on. I think we, you know, too, we talked about it before. I think we were we were expecting at least a little, you know, the Serie A has gotten, and you know, and this is sort of cyclical with these leagues of like how deep and, and talented they are. We've, I mean, we've seen Serie A be the best league in the world, and we've seen them kind of struggle these last few years besides Juventus. But I think we expected Juventus to get a little more of a challenge this year. We've seen, you know, a lot of these teams improve, and so far they're they they're looking that way. Right, absolutely. It's it's going to be fun to keep watching them and see how that progresses. Uh, <clears throat> and the only time I'll talk about Bayern today, we had the DFL Super Cup between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. Obviously, rivalry game in Germany for a cup that doesn't mean much, but it is a rivalry cup, so means much to the fans. Bayern win their first trophy of 2020, claiming a 3-2 victory over their rivals. They actually went up 2-0 thanks to Quarantin, Toliso, and Thomas Muller. Obviously, Dortmund pegged them back with goals from Julian Brandt and Erling Haaland. But a late winner by Joshua Kimmich. And if you haven't seen this goal, you really have to. He was on It was so nasty. It was a one-on-one with Marvin Hitz. And as the ball rebounded, he just flailed his heel and got it past him still. I mean, you have to watch that goal. It was so fucking cool. And a good win for Bayern, especially after Your heads up Kimmich play too. It was, it was it just like it's the like it's so like it's pretty, but it's not pretty. Like it's so like pretty, but also like very like utilization. Like it, it's Kimmich because like it, it works and it, it's just like it, it's not the most conventional thing, but it's also 
pretty gorgeous kind of goal. It reminded like the uh, his like chip goal he had towards the end of last year. Like he just has these goals sometimes where like that's gorgeous, but it's like also this like kind of Joshua Kimmich sort of gorgeous. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's gonna. It, it is really interesting to see what'll happen. And yeah. But that is the DFL Super Cup. That is all the soccer news. We move on to the French Open, and we're into round two. I'm not going to get into all the things that have happened, but Matthew, what I am going to get into is upsets. And when I talk about upsets, I'm talking about seeded players that have lost, right? And so you, in each division, if you don't know, in tennis, Rafa France, Nadal, Rafa Nadal lost. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, uh, but Hello. you have you have. 32 seeded players, so ranks 1 through 32, and then everybody else is unranked, right? So, of course, seeded players are going to come and go. There's 32 of them. But in the women's division, who knew that there would be this many seeded players out after two rounds? So let me name you some of the upsets. Uh, kind of a not seeded upset, but still something to mention. Uh, Venus Williams losing in the first round to Smidlova in straight let- sets, so she is out. Now let's go to the seeded ones. How about this? The 32th seed Strykova defeated by Kreshikova in three sets. The number 17 Kontavite upset by Garcia in three sets. The number nine Konta upset by Coco Goff in straight sets. The number 24 is Skremska out. The number 22 Muchova out. 28 Kuznetsova out. The 15th Vondrasova out. Madison Keys, the number 12 out. Angelique Kerber, former Wimbledon winner, out. Number 31, Lynette, out. Number 21, Jennifer Brady, who was in the U.S. Open the other day, out. Number 26, Vekic, out. Number 19, Madison Risk, also U.S. US player, out. Number 23, Putin Seba, out. Number 32, Strykova, out. Number 10, Azarenka, also recently in a final. She is out. Coco Goff then got eliminated today by Trevisan in three sets, but the biggest... News of the day. Number six, Serena Williams, defeated by Pirankova, not necessarily through play, but through a walkover because she had to pull out due to an Achilles injury. So her quest for number 24 continues, and we shall see if it happens. An unfortunate way for her to go out. But Matt, I mean, lots of players out. I don't know who's going to win. I mean, it, it, it's like half uh, like more than half the seated players are gone so it'll be interesting to see if there's an unseated player that can kind of go on and win it obviously Halep still in but you know it's an interesting one and and what begs the question who's going to be the hero that shows up in this one yeah I mean I think there's a lot of upsets in tennis in every single one of these major tournaments with these seedings you know I mean you, you have someone like Azarenka in this one who was upset as the 10 seed when she made the run to the finals at the U S open, she wasn't even seated. So, you know, there, there's a lot of like fluidity with those seedings as well. You know, so there's, there's some stake to be held into it and some, you know, it's it, sometimes it's just a number next to a name. I, I think there's, uh, there might be a, a little more though. Because I feel like there are like a few more upsets than normal just because, you know, pandemic and, and people not playing as much and stuff. There is, there's a little more, chaos than normal but you know we as i said we're used to that in these grand slams that's why they're so difficult to win i halep was my pick you know to win before anyway i am very saddened by serena having to step down uh you know again it's it's i mean it's what's beaten her every time right it's just kind of time itself it's age it's 
kind of the wearing down of of being an, an elite athlete, especially at, at the level that she's at, which is a few people have ever gotten to, it takes a wear and tear on your body. And um, unfortunately, keeps kind of being somewhat of an Achilles heel um, to Serena and, and her attempt to, to hit that record. But still should be a terrific French Open. Already lots of good tennis, as you say, lots of upsets and, and people playing well and looking to get their own making their own uh, destiny a la Serena Williams. For sure, yeah. Let's go to the men division really quickly. We had some upstairs uh, upsets there as well. David Goffin, the number 11, losing in straight sets in the first round. Damon Nauer, who went far in the U.S. Open, defeated by Ketchenato in straight sets. Uh, youngster Canadian Felix Auher Aliasimi, defeated by Nishioka in straight sets. Gael Monfils, the number 8, defeated by Bublik in four sets. Medvedev, the number four, defeated by Fuksovics in four sets. He is out. Obviously, American Isner, defeated by Korda in fourth set to number 21. He is also out. And finally, one of my favorite games, the number 29, Urkatsk, was defeated by American Tim Sandgren in five sets. And the set ended in a death, a sudden death, 11-9 to nine tiebreaker finish. So that is quite the finish to have. It's uh, a battle. That's a battle, so congratulations to Sandgren for winning. But yeah, round two, anything can happen still. Obviously, in the men's division, you still have Djokovic, you still have Nadal, so not much has changed in terms of the finals, you know, still kind of being on course. But we did have some upsets there, especially Medvedev going out early. That was not something that people considered. All right, well, let's talk about a tournament that's a little further on in their playoff ways. It's the WNBA Finals, and we have reached the final hurdle. It's the Seattle Storm versus the Las Vegas Aces. That's right. The Las Vegas Aces defeated the Sun in a close game five, 66 to 63. Asia Wilson with 23 points and 11 rebounds. Angel McCautry, 20 points. Good for her. Uh, The Aces were outscored 30 to 17 in the first quarter, but dominated the other three quarters to come back, you know, it's going to be a really good final between the Storm and the Aces. You have Asia Wilson, Angel, Angel McCautry kind of versus Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, and Sue Bird. A matchup of, of stars, truthfully. And the two top seeds face off for the first time in a while. You know, they were both the number ones. So that's also something to kind of mention in there. Now, obviously, they played earlier in the regular season. Las Vegas swept Seattle in their regular season. But it's also to mention in those two games, Sue Bird did not play and Brianna Stewart missed one of those games. So obviously not the same team that is going to play here in the finals. So that's there's not much to be taken, but it's worth mentioning. You know, Seattle going for their fourth title since 2004. They will tie Minnesota and the now defunct Houston team for most ever WNBA titles. And for the Aces, it's their first trip to the finals in their third season as a Las Vegas team. It'll be interesting to see if they can grab their first win as the Las Vegas Aces. Obviously, they are the Utah Stars and another team as well before that. But what do you think? Who's going to win this one, Matt? Yeah, it's a it's it's a good one. We saw the the Aces come back. I, I took the Suns, but I watched that game and Suns had it as you said. You know, after the first quarter, after the first couple quarters, they they were in control of the game, and then we've talked about it before. Just the Aces' ability to turn the, turn it up on defense, you know, as a Bill Lambeer coach team does. 
and it sparked their offense. Angel McCautry used her height against some of the smaller guards to to find mismatches, get down low, and make easy buckets over the, the shorter defenders. Asia Wilson kind of struggled at the beginning of the game, but as MVPs do, she found her stride and helped lead the team, and, and it was a close one. It was a good one. Uh, their, their second WNBA Finals appearance as a franchise, first, as you said, with Vegas. Um, they, their coach does have a, a couple, a three, pardon me, WNBA championships as a coach himself, so that's certainly uh, in, in their favor coaching-wise. But I took Seattle – at the beginning of, of the season, I'm going to go with them. Brianna Stewart, I think, is the best player in the league. Uh, you got Sue Bird, who's just one of the smartest players the league has ever seen. One of the most accomplished players. I think she. I'm pretty. I think she was on that 2004 team. Uh, I, so I think she's won every WNBA title with the, the that Seattle has. I may be wrong about that, but yeah, I'm going to go with Seattle in a close one. Also. WNBA all defensive teams are clowns. I don't know how somebody is your defensive player of the year and not even on an all defensive team like Candace Parker, but whatever. That's fair. That's so fair. Yeah, I have the Seattle Storm winning this one. It's going to be close, but I do think that the Storm just are going to overpower the Aces defense in a way that the Sun necessarily couldn't necessarily do. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. That begins... I believe on Friday. So that'll be interesting to watch. And we will update you on that as well. Well, let's go to a finals that is over a finals that is decided a finals that has been won. It's the Stanley cup finals. We've been keeping you up to date with all of the results. And finally, we have a winner to announce. It is the Tampa Bay lightning who win against the Dallas stars, Victor Hedman, the MVP. He had 10 goals and really led the team's defense after the loss of stamp coast. He joins a select group of defensemen to win the con Smythe award, Serge Savard, Bobby Orr, Larry Robinson, Scott Niedermeyer, Nicholas Lindstrom, Duncan Keith, Brian Leach, Scott Stevens, great players all around. I mean, we talked about it this whole time. Nikita Kucherov was immaculate. Vasilevsky in the goal was unstoppable. Braden Point was a breakout offensive player. You know, they beat the Stars 2-0 in the final game, shut them out. On the way to the finals, they beat the Blue Jackets 4-1. They beat the Bruins 4-1. They beat the Upstar Islanders 4-2. They had great defense. They had great offense. Seemed to be well-deserved. What do we have to say about the Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a well-deserved trophy, a well-deserved Stanley Cup win, taking home Lawrence Stanley for the second time down in Tampa. They've been, you know, they, they really have been one of the best franchises the last couple decades. So it kind of surprised me that that this was only their second Stanley Cup win. I think they've had some shortcomings in the playoffs. We've talked a lot about it last year, you know, getting swept in the first round after having, I think, the fourth most points in NHL history in the regular season. There's kind of already been the parallels made. They even their coach even has a, a hat for the the parallel between them and Virginia after Virginia lost to the 16 seed in the year after you know running making the run and winning the national championship. So it was an impressive kind of comeback for them. But we know how good this team is. I think now you know the question is what what's the NHL looking like next year? I think I think Tampa Bay is still one of the favorites uh, with a good chance to repeat, but you got the golden Knights who have been so close each of their first few years as franchise. I think the avalanche are going to be a favorite. Of course, your Bruins are going to be good. And and I kind of like, like the Leafs as, as being a a more under the radar 
um, team to to make a Stanley Cup run, but well deserved by by the Lightning. They've been the best team certainly here in in, in the NHL bubble. So deserved Stanley Cup win, and congrats to Tampa Bay on getting it done. Yeah, congrats to Tampa Bay. We've been covering you guys, and as soon as the conference finals came up, we knew that the Tampa Bay Lightning were the favorites, and they get it done. Well deserved, Victor Hedman. Well deserved for the MVP. All right, let's move on to football, and not just any football. Are you it's, ready about some football? Oh, yeah. It's fantasy football. So, Matthew, you got a lot of leagues. How did you do this week? How was yeah. the week? Too many leagues. Well, first off, in like my the first league I ever was in, and the league that, quite frankly, means the most to me, it's my rivalry week. So, shout out to Logan Derby. You bastard. You're going down. I hate you. I randomly called out Logan as my one true rival, like my – first or second year in the league for no real reason besides the, the fact that I thought it was kind of funny and Derby has like run with our rivalry the full way. Um, it's, it's fierce. It's blood filled each year. Derby writes a top 10 reasons. Smith is a bitch. Oh my God. Yeah. And then he goes down the list of, of the 10 biggest reasons that I am a bitch um, in our league. So it's, <laughs> it's awesome no it's terrific it's great so happy rivalry week derby i hate your guts i'm gonna kick your ass i actually don't know if i am my team's kind of bad in that league but yeah fuck you derby my teams uh, they went three and two overall last weekend so decent all my teams are either two or one or one and two so nothing like horrible but nothing super stellar so far but it's gonna be you know a weird ass season we've seen a plethora of injuries already and now we got uncertainty I mean, surrounding the Steelers Titans game with that getting postponed. Like who the know who the hell knows what, what that's going to be, you know, looking like. So I guess we'll see right now. My teams are doing fine in all my leagues. How'd you do this week? Yeah, I won three of four this week. So it was a good week for me, you know, had my third straight win in one league. So I'm three, no and one. And in our league, I won my first one out of three. So it was good to get off the board there. Yeah, boy. You know what? I did well. The I'm worried about week four because, you know, it, it says that Derrick Henry's on a bye in two of my leagues, and I don't really know what to do with that. Right. Um, so that really- – I know. And then I'm like, like are they going to play it Monday? Or, like, if they play it in a month <laughs> or some shit, is it going to retrospectively be like, well, those points are still for right. this NFL week? I mean, I guess, like, as an NFL – or as a fantasy player, I think I'd be fine with that. But it's <laughs> – it raises some questions. Yeah, it does raise some questions. I think that they'll probably have it played Monday or Tuesday, and then it'll still be accounted for this week. But who knows? I mean, it was kind of out of the blue. The NFL had been doing such a good job with COVID testing and and like keeping it off the radar. So it's unfortunate. We were, but we were enjoying the football so much, we forgot that there was a pandemic. Right, we forgot oh, that. Shit, that oh, thing. Damn it. Damn oh, it. Yeah. knew it something slipped. I knew I forgot something, yeah. but uh, darn it. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Who saved the day for you in your leagues? Who are your big performers from the week, from your personal leagues? Who are you shouting sure. out? Yeah, I mean, save the day for me. I Well, like shouting out Colts defense killed it for me, 27 points. I have to say my fantasy skills, I played Rex Burkhead at the right time. And I also, with Kittle being out, Played Eric Ebron at a great time. They got me 31 and 16 points. So thank you to those guys. But like actually saved the day for me 
where Derrick Henry, two touchdown game and 100 yards, just so consistent. Like even if he doesn't get two touchdowns, like they just hand the ball off to him so much. So you know, you know you're going to get like a solid amount with with Derrick. And even when he has a bad game, then he has a game like this. And then uh, Russell Wilson, guy's been an absolute monster. You know, I'm I'm mad I don't have him in every league. I didn't know I don't think he's going to keep up like this insane scoring. I, I don't. You know, he's almost averaging five touchdowns passes a game, which I, I kind of expect to slow down a little bit. Perhaps not. But regardless, even if it does slow down a little bit, I think he's going to be scoring at, at a crazy rate. And so far, so good. Who who was saving the day for you this weekend? Right. Well, I had Derrick Henry in two rounds. So there you go. Derrick Henry winning oh. me two different games. Uh, and then I also had – I was actually in one of the leagues where I had Derrick Henry in, I was down like 35 points with one player to go on Monday. But thankfully, that player was Patrick Mahomes. And I ended up – I ended up winning a game that I should not have won. Absolutely should not have won. And it was so fun. And uh, two, of my games, two of my games, I, I was like, I went into Monday absolutely dominating. And both the, the guys I was playing both had my homes. And I won both those games still. But like, you even texted me. You're like, dude, how the hell is your game this close? And I was like, because my homes is fucking going off. Like he's doing yeah. whatever the hell he wants out there. But I still, I I hung on by the skin of my teeth right yeah it was definitely close so yeah Derek Henry Patrick Mahomes and I'm also going to shout myself out as a fantasy manager here you know in my third game in our league I had the chance you know who am I going to start at flex and Michael Gallup had disappointed me two weeks straight and I could have freaked out I could have said you're a nobody I don't trust you but I said you know what it's against Seattle's defense I'm going to give him one more chance to prove it to me and prove it to me he did. So uh, I'm really happy. Michael Gallup, shout out to you, you know, showing up big money for me in a close win for my first one in that league. Who shit the bed for you, though? You lost some games. Who shit the bed? Because I, Kelly, I got some I got some players that shit the bed for me. I didn't really have anyone this week besides Mark, Mark Andrews, I guess, kind of did, you know, but like it didn't hurt me in the long run. So like it wasn't like one of those shooting the beds where you're just like, are you kidding me, dude? Like you Fumble like you were that bad. So bad week for Andrews, but it didn't affect my game. I still won that game. So it was okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, let me just talk about the players I'm disappointed with then. So in one league, the the, the game that I lost, I there was so much hype over David Montgomery and what he's gonna do this week. And guess what? I started him over James Robinson and he did jack shit. So yeah, stupid. It was that was just so disappointing. I'm never doing it again. And then in the other one, everybody talked up Deontay Johnson. Oh, Deontay. He's going to just catch a million touchdowns. And I started him over another receiver. Everybody. And he got a concussion and got 0.9 points. Not anybody I'm listening to. Oh, boy. So that was David Montgomery and Deontay Johnson really disappointed for me. And then in my league that I won, uh, I, 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 you know, the same one with Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup had to make up some make up some points because the Bills defense did me no favors. I was like, you know what? I know it's the Rams, but Bills D, right? They'll get a point. No, they got zero points, Matt. They got zero. They got a big goose egg in points. So I uh, I dropped them like the plague this week. I was done. I was I was done Ooh, with them. I would have I would have kept them this week. They got a good match. I mean, well, I got. I'm not going to play the Rams every week. Who the Rams play this week? 
The Giants. <laughs> I'm, That's a good one. Yeah, I got the Rams against the Giants. I was thinking also. about actually. Yeah, I was thinking about picking up the Rams. They just they worry me without those linebackers. But the Giants is that. That's you know. Yeah, it's pretty, just for the week. It's just for the week. Pretty good. Up. Pretty good matchup. Yeah, I mean that's all your that's all match like defensive should be. That's why it's I don't understand when people draft defenses like at all. Like even the best defense, I man. Right, they can be down in one injury. Look at the 49ers defense. They can be down in one injury, and all of a sudden they're not a top pick anymore, and it's it, it becomes hard to justify a higher pick. When you just, like, okay, play so- good offenses, like, often it's an offensive league. Like, so, like, when you play a good offense, then it doesn't matter how good that defense you're playing is going to be, like, is. Like, the offense is going to put up points. There's are. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, tell tell me, Matt, who's gonna who who surprised you the most this week in terms of fantasy football? Who who performed well and you're like, that's surprising. Mr. Just, just this this segment's gonna hurt me because it's most surprising, and then you're gonna ask me most disappointing. And my most surprising is a Vikings receiver, Justin Jefferson. Guy absolutely crushed it. 34 points in fantasy, 175 yards, seven catches, and a tutty bot for the Vikings, but also I think the real surprise of the weekend has to go to Cedric Wilson, like five catches, 107 yards, two touchdowns, 30 points. And the guy came into the game with no catches and no points. So well done by both those receivers for going off. But that's, you know, that's the the state of the NFL and the passing game right now. You know, random guys like that can have huge games. Right, exactly. I also had Justin Jefferson as my surprising player of the week. He took the Stephon Diggs role and ran with it this week. Seven catches, 175 yards. He only had five catches for 70 in his first two games combined, so it really didn't really come out of anywhere. And yeah, I mean, he'll be important, I think, as Minnesota looked to climb out of the dreaded zero and three hole. And I can only imagine good things for him coming up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Who disappointed you the most this week? So I said that the you know surprise was a Viking, so the disappointment is unfortunately a Packer. Marquise Valdez Scantling, you know, Rodgers and that offense have been rolling. Scantling himself had seven catches, 160 yards, and a touchdown through two games. You knew that Saints game was going to be a pretty open game. No Devontae Adams, which meant you know there should be more opportunities for MBS to find some catches, but he only could get one grab for five yards. So tough week for him. I, I think in the long run he'll do well. And, you know, partly part of the, you know, I, ha, what had to do with that was Alan Lazard playing a terrific game on the other side at receiver. But uh, tough week for, for Mr. Marquise Valdez Scantling. Who was your big disappointment of the week? Right. Well, I had the Ravens offense. I That's what I had. I mean, yeah. what, I mean, Lamar Jackson had only 97 yards throwing and a single touchdown. Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Five catches for 35 yards combined. That's not what you want out of either of those players, especially Mark Andrews, you know. And so I think Ravens talent really disappointed this week. Anybody who was relying on the Ravens like the guy I played who had all three of those players. You had a rough week, and I, I apologize for you. Uh, That's very- the risk of the the all eggs in one team's basket. It can be right. it can be lucrative, but uh, it can not suck. Always. Yeah, it can suck exactly. for sure. All right, so going into week four, uh, Matthew, who do you think are your top performers? Who do you think is going to do really well next week? For sure. So I got three top performers here that I'm sing- singling out. Number one, Alvin Kamara. I think the game against the Lions is, is going to be close. I mean, I think the Saints have shown they are uh, not not quite the team we thought they might be. And 
I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I, ju- I just think the Lions are going to have a lot of close games this year. We, and we know Drew Brees is not going to be throwing the ball downfield a bunch. Michael Thomas is back, so I'm sure he should get in on the action as well. But I'm seeing a lot more dink downs for Kamara, who's been on an absolute tear. And the Lions themselves are, also are not great against the run or running backs. We saw what Aaron Jones did against them earlier in the year. My next guy, a quarterback, Mr. Deshaun Watson. The Texans, we know how badly they need a win. And we've seen Rodgers, Rivers, and Tannehill be uh, you know, able to kind of have their way with the Vikings defense. It wasn't a, an amazing day for Phillip uh, Rivers, but 217 yards and a touchdown. And both Tannehill and Rodgers got over 300 yards against the Vikings. So I think Watson in a must-win for Houston has a big day through the air. And my number three top performer for week four, Travis Kelsey. Now the Belichick way of neutralizing the biggest threat is tough here. You know, you can't really neutralize the quarterback, especially when it's Patrick Mahomes. And you really lock down on a rookie running back in Clyde Edwards Alaire. So I, I, you know, we saw the Pat Stevens, pardon me. We saw the Pat Stevens shutdown Waller last week, you know, absolutely made him a non-factor in the game against Las Vegas this week. I think it's going to be Tyree kill who, who they focus on, you know, he's the more more unique matchup with his game, breaking speed and his ability to kind of open up the game, which I think means Mr. Travis Kelsey is going to be able to find some space in that passing game and have a big day with Patrick Mahomes, who I think is also going to have a big week. You know, I know Tom Brady isn't in new England anymore, but the chiefs, this game still means something, you know, the Patriots have still been the, you know, crown of the AFC for the last two decades. So I think in, in the, Chiefs mindset of them wanting to be the best team, not only in the AFC, but the the NFL. This is is a big game for them. So I think they're going to want to come out firing. Right. I definitely agree. It's going to be, it's a big game and you know, it might not be Tom Brady, but it's Cam Newton who loves to prove himself as much as anyone. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that matchup and how each defense deals with the other quarterback Uh, in my kind of top uh, week four performers. I've got James Robinson. He's been on a tear lately for Jacksonville. And I think this is going to be a duel between Joe Burrow and Gardner Minshew. And he's going to be just as important. You know, Joe Burrow, not going to blow out Gardner Minshew. I don't think in, in terms of uh, gameplay. So I don't think it's going to abandon the run. So I just think James Robinson is going to eat up this Bengals, you know, defensive line. I think he has a big game once again, Broncos going to the Jets this Thursday. I think former Iowa tight end Noah Fant goes for a couple touchdowns. Hey, I think Jeff Driscoll comes back from a hard game in Tampa, you know, comes against New York, the best place to play as a quarterback, and really just, you know, kills it. I think Noah Fant has a couple I touchdowns. Think, um, I think Ripien is, is starting for him. Oh, Ripien start. You're right. Ripien starting yeah, yeah. for them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, regardless, I, 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 I pick Noah Fant to have a big game because I think Ripien will rely on Noah Fant just as much because it's New York. I don't have any Agreed. worries against New York. I yeah, don't, right. You know. Like it's, yeah, so I think anyone, it's some random dude that has like four fingers that's going to play quarterback for the Broncos. Oh, okay. He'll, he'll probably have a pretty solid day against the Jets. Right, I'm uh, I'm I'm here to tell you live on the air that I have been called up by the New York Jets uh, to uh, by the Denver Broncos to to play, and so it'll be really fun. No, but yeah, I think Noah Fant has a big game regardless of who's quarterback, just because he's going to be such a threat down the middle. And finally, I have Lamar Jackson being a top performer against Washington. Obviously, Washington's uh, defensive line has been good, but I think this is a really prove it game after a really disappointing game in the biggest game of the year for Lamar. I think he comes out and proves it. You know, he, 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 that's kind of the player he is. And 
So I definitely think that's something that happens. So James Robinson, Noah Fant, Lamar Jackson. As my top busts for week four, I'll go first. I got Mike Evans against a good Chargers defense. Obviously, he had the two catches for two touchdowns, and I love him for it. Chargers secondary is good, and Chris Godwin is out, so they're going to key in on Mike Evans, you know? So I think that he's going to have a difficult game in San Diego. Uh, Another player that I think is going to bust, Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, seems to be named the starting running back, you know, against the Lions, but uh, I mean, for the Lions, but against the Saints defense, that's, that's pretty good. I don't see him doing very well. People are treating him like he's like starting running back caliber. And I just don't think he's earned that yet. You know, he's still a veteran guy and he's still do well. Uh, Got a few years on those legs. Right, exactly. And people are saying that after like an 8.4 point performance, it's nothing to write home about. So I think he's a big bust for players hoping that he is not, uh, you know, that he's a starting RB2 or flex pick. And finally, Cam Newton against the Chiefs. You know, I I think it's going to look in the Chiefs defense and what they did against Lamar. I just think it's going to be hard for Cam Newton to put up a big fantasy performance. I think if the Patriots keep it close, with the Chiefs, which they can, I think it's going to be because of the defense and not necessarily because of the offense. I just don't think we're going to see Cam Newton have the freedom that he's had in some of the other games that he's played. Okay, so Matt, we got a one. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you for one big fantasy football hot take for Week Four. Give me something that makes no I gotta sense. Gotta get my bus first, baby. Oh yeah, you give your bus first. Give your bus. Yeah, first. yeah. There oh, you go. Won't you? Uh, won't you steal that from me? I'm uh, I'm starting with Matt Ryan. I think it's going to be another high-scoring game with Green Bay, but the Packers are a lot better than Atlanta and, and better than a few of the teams that Atlanta have played. I would so hope it's so. Be, uh, it's not going to be as close as it's been against, by, as like Atlanta's been able to keep it close against some worse teams such as Chicago or Dallas. So I think uh, the Green Bay is going to run the ball more with Aaron Jones, which means Matt Ryan and that offense doesn't have the ball as much. I also think that the Packers' D is, is getting more, and it's you know kind of – feeling itself a little more with Mike Pettin there as the coordinator. They're going to cause a couple of turnovers, at least one interception, and at least one fumble from Matt Ryan. So bad week for Matty Ice up there in Green Bay on Monday night. My next bust is Miles Sanders. The Niners, we know, depleted, but they showed against the Jazz that this team is disciplined and they're smart. They know their roles. They know how to how to you know play. They know how to do what they're supposed to do, and they can do it no matter how many guys are missing. Um, stars or not, they've seen Wentz make mistakes on his own, so they know the last thing that they need to do is force him to make it. They just need to play solid defense, which I think means they're going to be zoned in on that running game and make sure Miles Sanders has a tough day running the ball. And my last bust for the week, Terry McLaurin. I think the Baltimore D going to come back motivated after Mahomes kind of had his way with them. They're going to want to make a statement. Dwayne Haskins also seems to be kind of developing more more relationships with receivers He's not relying on on McLaren quite as much as he was in his rookie year. Of course, they had a good relationship before their time in Washington as they're both Buckeyes from Ohio State. But I just think the the Baltimore defense being ready to kind of play a little better and Haskins' decision to kind of spread the ball around more means a, a bad week for Terry McLaurin. Okay. Well, there you go. We never You never want to hear that for Scary Terry, but – you know, it's it's the prediction that Matt's given out. He's stealing Terry Rozier's number or uh, nickname. Well, Terry Rozier has to be good as Terry McLaurin for me to give it back to him. How about that? How about that? I'd say that Terry, nah, Terry Rozier is still better. Uh, I don't know. Don't you go know. play in Charlotte. Okay, fair, fair. But, you know, still, 
You go play in Washington, Matt. <laughs> okay. okay. There you go. Okay. So give me a big fantasy hot take for week four. Give me a take that makes no sense, but you're still going to make it. Um, well, I mean, I actually, I think this one makes sense. Okay. I don't, so- I don't ever make, I don't ever not make sense. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, with the Bills defense. They're gonna get a little. I mean, they started really, really well against the Rams, and then you know, kind of took their foot off the pedal in that game, which allowed for the comeback. But I, they're getting better each week. The Rams defense or offense is good. I think Vegas Car. It's not you know the opening game at their new stadium. It's not Monday Night Football. There's not quite as much excitement for them to get up for the game. Bill's defense causes turnovers all over the place. They get over 20 points, and whoever starts them has a nice win in their fantasy league. Okay. I don't, I don't have them. Yeah, no, me neither, but that's a good pick. That's a good pick. I used to, but I uh, I let him go. Anyway, so let's talk about it. I had a defensive hot take, too, and mine was like a true hot take that no one's going to agree with, so I actually paid attention to the rules. And- paid attention. to It says one big fantasy hot take for week four. How is that? How how in that rules am I supposed to interpret? It has to be something that no one would believe. It's a hot take. That's what a hot take is. No, a hot take can still be something that can happen. Okay, well, mine is more of a ridiculous hot take. Then we'll just say that. All right, well, we'll don't call say. me out on doing the not doing the rules right. Okay, all right, so. all right, all right, all right. I I guess I I I'll put next time I'll put in the notes one big ridiculous fantasy hot take. That's what I'll. That do. would be perfect. I'll understand it no. clear then. Okay, all right. Miscommunication. <laughs> all as, as per usual. All right. So my big fantasy hot take. You talked about it already. So you will disagree with me, but here we go. Patrick Mahomes will be held under 20 fantasy points by the Patriots defense. I don't think Bill Belichick keys in on any player except for Patrick Mahomes, which means I think that he makes him try to be a mobile quarterback. And while Patrick Mahomes is a great mobile quarterback compared to some, he's no Lamar Jackson. I just think that Bill Belichick is smarter than just trying to take out one of his weapons because I think he'll know that Kelsey is down the middle and his linebacker core is already a little weak. So if you try to take more pressure off of Kelsey, he's going to have a monster game. So I think he plays more of a zone defense. I think he does go in a little more conservative than he usually does in terms of keying in on a player. And I think it works for them. I'm not saying the Patriots win, but I'm saying Patrick Mahomes himself has less than 20 points. I think this is a big game for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's where I think the Chiefs are going to win it. But I say Patrick Mahomes held under 20 points by the Patriots defense. Well, you did say it was dumb. Hey, I said it was ridiculous. I said it was ridiculous. I said I it was ridiculous. How are you going to make the guy be mobile if you don't take away any of his weapons? I don't know. No, I'm it's saying – I'm saying, I'm saying it's, you don't key in. I'm saying, like, instead of you, – you do a zone – I get, I get what you're saying. I don't, think it, I don't think it works. Well, if there's one man that can do it, it is Mr. Bill. It is – Mr. How do you does that strategy? Well, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be a good matchup regardless for week four. And uh, we're hoping it's close rather than the one that we got. Ass. Uh, we'll see, man. The Seattle Seahawks should have kicked their ass too. I don't know. They should have kicked their ass too with how the Russell Seahawks, The Seahawks are not nearly as good as the Chiefs. The Seahawks defense can't stop anybody. Fair. That's fair. But I also think the Chiefs' performance against the Ravens, like we've talked about, was more a failing on the Ravens' coaching part than necessarily the Chiefs coming out and being a really amazing defense. So I just don't see. Yeah, the Chiefs. I mean, I don't think the Chiefs' defense like is good, but it's good enough. And Mahomes is still. 
I mean, I would still take Mahomes and the Chiefs offense over the Seahawks offense any day. I don't care how much a well Russell's playing. Okay. I mean, Russell has to play that way because he's asked to like do so much where it's just like a lot fucking easier for Mahomes. I mean, fair. I, I here's what I think though. Like you look at see, I on paper fine, but like you look I, I, like Seattle. I'm not well, talking about paper. I'm talking about what I see on the field. Okay, so Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf versus Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Of course, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill better. How much better though? Like I'm not talking about like which receiver. I'm talking about what I'm seeing on the field of like what the coaches are at. Like they they ask. Russell has so much pressure on him and he has to run around like crazy and he has to make these throws to, I'm not, I'm not talking about the roster talent. I'm talking about what you see when you watch these two teams play. It's Russell making a lot of great plays, but being asked to make a lot of great plays as opposed to like Mahomes making great plays at times because he's Mahomes, but also just like working in an offense that's just better. And I mean, that has to have more to do with the fact that you have Andy Reid uh, and Eric Biel and me over there running the offense as opposed to who's running the offense in Seattle. Like Pete Carroll's more of a defensive coach, but I, I'm always going to take that offense over Seattle's. Right. Yeah. I, I guess where I take a little, I take a little like pause is saying that they're going to blow out the pay. I don't think they blow out the Patriots. I think they beat them, but I think it's no more than 10 points. I, don't think I think that. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's, there's there's no like there's so few blowouts in the NFL, but yeah, by blowout I meant like I think they I think they win easy. I don't think it's like a close game like close. Person. Okay, that's fair. I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. Well, it's been good talking fantasy with you, Matt. We're gonna get to the cool down section now. So take a breath. Cool, cool down. Cool down. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a sound effect for that soon. It's just gonna be Matt like saying fun words in a low voice. That's just what it's gonna be. No, one day Ant- cantaloupe cantaloupe <laughs> avocado i'm ready <laughs> all right so, so it is the fall season and with the fall season comes the inevitable rise in popularity of the pumpkin spice latte space. so matt how do we feel about the pumpkin spice latte do we like it do we not like it how basic do we rate it and uh do you have a favorite place that you get it from if that's applied to you liking it they should have named the the redhead Spice Girl Pumpkin Spice instead of Ginger. Which one? Which redhead girl? The redhead, the redhead in Spice Girls. Oh, the redhead in Spice Girls. Yeah, that would have been good. Pumpkin been Spice would have been way better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, I like I like Pumpkin Spice. I, it does get a little overload with just like the fact that every product seems to have a pumpkin spice. And you like, there's like that's where there's like pumpkin spice Gatorade. Like it's literally that's disgusting. Every fucking I mean, there isn't, but <laughs> that's but that's like to the point of where it is where like everyone's like, well, we got to get in on this pumpkin spice game. I think pumpkin spice is you know, I only like having like a little bit. Like otherwise, it's too overpowering and it's too like in my face. So I only like a little bit of pumpkin spice, but I like it. I don't get it that much because there's not a lot of sugar free pumpkin spice. So the old diabetes makes it uh, a little tough to drink but i usually just i don't have a favorite play i got a starbucks dunkin donuts i'm pretty basic but i you know yeah i mean and i don't know if it's basic i don't i don't like rip on people for it being basic like i guess it might be a little bit but like who gives a shit right yeah exactly i love pumpkin me a pumpkin spice latte it's so basic but like what does that even mean you know 
as yeah, it, it is something silly to rip on someone for, but it is something that's said a lot about the PSL. I do love this bar Starbucks one. I don't know why. It's just so good. I'm I it you know it, it's gotta be like the right person that makes it for sure. I've had bad ones before. But yeah, I like the Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. It's something that keeps me warm in these changing fall seasons. And if you're looking for a less sweet pumpkin spice latte, stop by Maman Nomad on 25th Street between 5th and 6th. We sell just a great one and it's a little less a little Sick. less sweet. Uh, a little more spice, and that's where we get there. All right, let's go to our historical fact section of the podcast. I'll start us off today, Matthew. Today, in 1936, George Gershwin's opera Porgy and Bess opened at the Colonial Theater in Boston. The English libretto was written by Dubois Hayward with lyrics by Hayward and Ira Gershwin. It follows the story of Porgy, a disabled street beggar living in the slums of Charleston, as he attempts to rescue Bess from Crown, a violent and possessive boyfriend, and sport in life, her drug dealer. It's known for arias such as Summertime and I Got Plenty of Nothing, and it's got a lot of racial controversy in it because of its stereotype depiction of African Americans. So it's definitely been, it's, it's a big part of musical theater history, but it's definitely on the more controversial side in that area. It is the official opera. You're telling me there's a, a racist piece of art before 1950s? That's shocking. That's shocking, right? That is what? Well, it I was thought made- they were so open-minded back then. <laughs> well, it was Matt, it was made the official opera of the state of California in 2001. And in 2003, the cast recording from 1940 was included by the Library of Congress as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So it is really in there in terms of musical theater history. But it came on stage in 1936 on this day. Big part of history, even if it's not necessarily some of the best history. What do you have for your historical fact today? In 1955, 24-year-old rising star Mr. James Dean killed in a car accident. Such a, a young man to lose his life and young talent. Uh, really just gotten started. Only three filming credits to his name, East of Eden. And then Giants and Rebel Without a Cause, which of course came out, or not, maybe not, of course. I don't know if you know this, but uh, they they came out after his passing. Um, Rebel Without a Cause is one of my favorite movies. And so good. It was, it was released actually like a month after his passing. And in that movie, there's a famous kind of scene near the end where a young teen dies in a car accident. Crazy enough. Um, I got the... Like a little, it's kind of like a metal poster sign thing that says it's James Dean. It says, "Dream as if you'll live forever, live live as if you'll die today." I don't like. I think that quote is like technically all attributed to him. I don't know if he actually said it, but I think like I think he owns the quote just like historically. But it's a nice quote. It's cool picture of him. But love James Dean. Very very sad accident. So rest in peace, Mister Dean. Your three movies and and like everyone knows who he is as an actor. So pretty iconic in that sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a history. I mean, I'd love to leave behind that legacy. Three movies you know, everywhere. Yeah. I get one movie. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Well, let's not- do three movies. <laughs> I just want to be in a movie, any movie. I'll make the movie. Seriously. My gosh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right, Matt. Is your seat feeling hot? Because it's quickfire questions time. Let's go. Let's go. All right. The Rays are pitching well behind Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow. The Yankees, on the other hand, 
killing at the bats, you know, taking Shane Bieber to the cleaners, even though he is the supposed future MVP. So what do you think? Can the Yankees, who, who will the, who will go to the world series between those two, the Rays or the Yankees? I took the Yankees. I mean, I, in the playoffs at this time of year, you should never bet on bats over pitching, but I'm going to be an idiot and I'm going to take the Yankees. I mean, I think the, the Yankees also have, solid pitching, which helps. I mean, you got Garrett Cole yesterday going out there. Um, so it might be one of their better pitching staffs that they've had, which, you know, has, has been their issue with, with the big bats is that they haven't been able to match it in the bullpen with the pitching staff. But I'm, I'm going to be dumb and take the Yankees bats. Okay, Yankees bats over Rays pitching. We'll see how that holds up. Okay, number two, the WNBA Finals about to be contested, and we got some MVPs in the house. Who will be named MVP of the WNBA Finals, Brianna Stewart or Asia Wilson? Brianna Stewart. Four games for Seattle. Stewart leads them in scoring in three and, and gets the Finals MVP as the Storm take home their fourth title. All right. Very easy answer there. We shall see if it's as easy as Matt answered in the real-time run. Okay, final question. The NBA Finals being contested between the Lakers and the Heat this year. But a lot of the conversation that we've had has been what's going to happen next year. Matthew, who's going to win the NBA Finals next year? Ooh, that's fun. Lakers. <laughs> he goes, that's fun. Easy question. <laughs> okay, go well, Lakers. well, give me a little I, I mean, I think, give me a little I think you got like, you got, I mean, like Anthony Davis is, I, I, I think Anthony Davis is going to come back next year with like, special. I mean, I, I, I'm, assuming they win the title this year with, but he's going to come back with a little more swagger, like just how you do. Like you see it with like Mahomes, like when somebody wins that title and they know they can be the best and, and reach, you know, the top kind of echelon of the sport, then they gain more confidence and they play better. So I think Anthony Davis comes back even better, kind of more focused on being the guy as LeBron does get older. LeBron's still going to be great. I mean, like if LeBron does, if LeBron's just a point guard now and still rebounds, like with his size, he doesn't have to be like the crazy athletic run around and do everything that he's been at times. Like, so the guy can make his career. Like I, if LeBron retires soon, it's just because LeBron doesn't want to play basketball anymore, which I don't see happening. I think LeBron's got a five plus more years playing in the NBA. So I, I think you got that. You can, they bring back most of their, uh, Supporting staff, Rondo, Dwight Howard, um, I believe Morris. They should get Avery Bradley back. Um, and, and, you know, too, like as soon as you win the title, the already lucrative destination of LeBron and, and the Lakers becomes even more appealing to a free agent. If you're trying to win a rain, like you're like, yeah, I'll take a pay cut because this is the best team in the league and I want to go win myself a ring. So I'm going to go L.A. They win back to back. All right. Lakers winning back-to-back, not something that's unfamiliar to the franchise. And that is the quick-fire questions. Thank you, Matthew. You can get off the hot seat. And thank you all for joining us. It's been so much fun once again. uh, Midweek episode is finished now. We got one more episode coming this week where we'll probably preview the NFL and the college football weekend, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, stay safe, wear a mask. If you watch the debate, last night please register to vote if it hasn't been more apparent please pretty please register to vote and matt you got anything else to say to the people 
I got my Magic Johnson jersey on. I got my Lakers snap snapback. I'm going all L.A. Let's get these finals started. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.